0: hey y'all bienvenidos welcome to tapas the podcast that gives you life lessons and bite-sized pieces this is your host dianessa the scintillating spirit here to help you on your journey of self-growth so come have a seat at the table get comfy and allow yourself the time and the space to enjoy some food for your soul on today's episode we'll be covering childhood trauma. This was something that was requested by you all and certainly a topic that has been on my mind. Do you anticipate that this is not all being done in this episode? This is being broken into two episodes with today's focusing on recognizing and processing childhood trauma. With that being said, do know that there are going to be things in this episode that trigger you and I will do my very best to let you know ahead of time. Perhaps if there is something that might in particular trigger you within that segment, bear this in mind throughout. Make sure that you are in a safe space and that you are able to recognize and process as you need to, take breaks as you need to. This is not easy by any means, but it is work that is worth doing and you are worth doing it for. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. All right, y'all, it is time for Poniendo la Mesa. This is the segment of the show where I get to break down the language that will be used in today's pod to make sure that we are setting ourselves up for this conversation with the same basic understandings. So that being said, let's jump straight into it. This will be a little more educational as opposed to other Poniendo la Mesa in that I do want to make sure that I'm defining some bigger concepts here that you may or may not already know. So first, let's get into defining trauma. I want to make sure that we have the same, we're working with the same definition of trauma. I know that we all may have our own version of what trauma means. We may know the textbook version for the purpose of our pod. I'm going to be thinking of trauma as an emotional response to an experience or experiences that have disturbed you inside at the heart level. So in some way, shape, or form, ultimately it alters your inner self. Now, another important thing that I want to make sure we're on the same page on when it regards trauma is that it is pervasive. It affects everything we do even when we cannot see it or recognize it. And for this part, I do want to call on words that are not my own. Uh, I did quite a bit of research ahead of doing today's pod because I wanted to make sure that I just had as much information to tackle something as important as addressing or recognizing and processing childhood trauma and then ultimately healing from it. So right now I'm going to pull from the lovely Danny Bostic who is well-versed in this particular area, in particular of childhood trauma. Please go ahead and look into her more outside of this pod. I will drop some resources in the show notes if you would like to learn more. But she does something when it regards trauma and defining trauma in a way that helps us to visualize it. And I'm a very visual person. So I want us to keep this in mind throughout the pod as well. So she compares trauma to gravity, saying you never think to yourself or turn to someone and say, wow, this gravity today is awesome. I'm not floating away. My shirt is staying in place. You know, my shoes are staying on, etc.' It's like gravity in that we take it for granted. It's not as simple as having a bad memory of something disturbing. It's not as simple as having a nightmare. It pervades Every aspect of your life from relationships to your sense of time. When you re experience your trauma, you may get the feeling of, like, wow, what year is it? You know, Um, it has that ability to transport you and to really, like I said, affect and alter your inner self in more ways than you can possibly imagine. So, Trauma is a lot like gravity insofar as it pervades every aspect of a person's life. So that being said, we're going to go ahead and get into our second definition for today's pod, and that is going to be ACE, which is Adverse Childhood Experiences. Now, we're going to definitely delve into this more, but at its most basic sense, it is a metric, a study, and a tool that has been used by the CDC, many doctors, when it comes to discussing childhood trauma. And ACE is an acronym for Adverse Childhood Experiences, and it's broken into three categories. It breaks these adverse experiences into abuse, into neglect, and into household dysfunction. So underneath the abuse category, that can include Physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. neglect could be physical or emotional neglect. And then household dysfunction generally includes mental illness, an incarcerated or jailed relative, mother treated violently, substance abuse in absence of a parent, whether that be through divorce, abandonment, or death. So that's a really quick overview of ACEs. Um, And again, we'll continue to call back on that just as a quick check for understanding our two definitions from the segment are trauma and ACE, trauma being an emotional response to an experience or experiences that disturbed you internally and altered you um, and your inner self. It hit you at a heart level. Uh, It is pervasive. You can compare it to gravity. It pervades every aspect of your life, whether you think of it or not. And then ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, which are broken into three categories, including abuse, neglect, and household dysfunction. Let's go ahead and jump into our pan y tomate. All right, let's dive straight into our pan y tomate. This is the segment of the show where we get to address some of the basics of today's topic before I delve into my own thoughts and opinions on it. With that being said, if it feels as though I'm just driving straight through some of these segments this episode, it is because I'm trying to be as mindful as possible with reserving time for the later segments that I know are going to need a lot more time to delve into it's not because I think that this is something we should speed through so I just want to be mindful of that and and raise that before we delve in that being said for today's first basic something that I feel is super important to address is recognizing how common childhood trauma is um And so I'm going to hit you all with a few statistics, not because I'm trying to inundate you with information, but because I think it's important to be mindful of these things as we think about recognizing and processing our own childhood trauma. So first off, chances are you have experienced some form of trauma growing up. One in eight children suffers enough trauma to have long-lasting negative effects in both mental and physical health. One in eight children, y'all. Uh, To get an even clearer number, 62% of adults experience at least one ACE in their lifetime. Again, ACE being an adverse childhood experience, which you can sum up as childhood trauma, 25% experience three or more ACEs. I believe the ratio is one in about every six adults experience actually four or more ACEs. And I say this to say that chances are, and I think that if you're listening to this episode, you probably acknowledge and recognize within yourself that you have experienced some type of childhood trauma, and you're seeking to recognize and process that now here in this space with us. But also to say that this is this is this is common, and it does have lasting effects. This isn't uh, unique to you. This isn't something if you're feeling like you know, this happened so many years ago, but I feel in me this, these effects, these lasting um, impacts on my life still 20 years down the line, whatever the case may be. Um, that is because literally it changes our physiology and um, to just further drive that point, And this isn't to be scary or to, to feel defeatist or to feel like any of those things. And I will, you know, back up whatever I'm saying after I give you all these things with more positive um thoughts. But I think it is important to note not just how common it is, but that these are things that genuinely have transformational effects on your well-being mentally, emotionally, and physically. So I mentioned that one in eight children suffers enough trauma to have long lasting effects in both mental and physical health. And those same children can expect to have a lifespan that is 20 years shorter than their peers among a myriad of other physical health issues that may manifest. And I say this because, again, it's it's to highlight that th- childhood trauma has lasting effects and th- to necessitate and to just really call attention to the need to heal from childhood trauma. Um, because it can, it really can alter things even to the point that it can... Um, alter life expectancy. Um, with that, I think it's also important to note that research has shown that the risk for ACEs is particularly elevated with certain populations, such as people who identify as Black, who identify as Latinx or multiracial, people with less than a high school education or people with low income or who were unemployed or unable to work, and uh, people who identify within the LGBTQ plus community all experience ACEs at a a more elevated level than others who do not have these identities. So if you have one or more of these identities, again, not only are chances that you have experienced some type of childhood trauma, um, but it is more pervasive in in people who have these identities. And so uh, we want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Moving on from how common childhood trauma is and acknowledging that it has lasting impacts and that ultimately you are not alone. Um, I do also want to acknowledge something that I feel is really important when thinking about childhood trauma. I do feel when we consider childhood trauma, people tend more often to think of the larger, more definitive life events that we can point to and say that is a traumatic event. That is childhood trauma. That is what that looks like. Almost in a way where we try to quantify it. In my brain, I think of it as a sharp pain versus a dull, consistent, or underlying pain. The sharp pain being a large and evident life event like death, like separation. Something that feels explicitly traumatizing as opposed to daily, ongoing, quote-unquote, small Traumas and small being in comparison to something like losing a parent to death or witnessing a traumatic event such as abuse of a parent or whatever the case may be. So I bring this up to say that pain is pain, trauma is trauma. There is no need to distinguish a, sh- a sharp pain versus a dull pain, right? One or a few sharp pains may be big and hurtful and and large and obvious and isolated and more obvious because they're isolated, but those dull pains that persist on a day-to-day manner kill as well. And I don't mean that to, to be melodramatic. I say this to say that, you know, all pain is pain, all trauma is trauma. So I know that for me when processing my childhood trauma, I've I've had both, I've had the sharp and the dull pains, but I, I recognize that I didn't recognize the, the daily childhood trauma that I endured simply because I was constantly thinking of, well, no, trauma is this big thing that I can name and look at is a, a familial, like a parent, a parental death. It is this, it is these kids having to witness these specific things and it was it served as a way for me to kind of deny my own childhood trauma so I bring that up to ensure that we're not dismissing those smaller those quote-unquote smaller traumas those daily traumatic experiences as non-traumatic because we think trauma has to be those sharp pains um, because it's not. And um, we need to make sure that that is a basic that we're covering here. Finally, uh, before I move into my thoughts on this topic, which I I have a ton of, I want to delve a little bit more into ACEs. Again, adverse childhood experiences and specifically recognizing trauma in your own life. And we're going to do this just kind of going through each of the sections of ACEs, starting with abuse. And this is meant to help you kind of identify whether or not these are childhood traumas that you may have endured. Now, physical and sexual abuse, I don't know that I have to give specific examples of. Uh, Physical abuse could be physical abuse of yourself or physical abuse of a parent, which could also fall underneath household dysfunction, but is abuse just the same. Whether that physical abuse be a parent who has tried to fight you or has, you know, done things like punched you and things like that. And then sexual abuse, I mean, there are a ton of different things that can be involved there, but I think that just knowing that if you have been touched in a way that was sexual, that was inappropriate or have been forced to touch other people in that way, um, that would quantify or qualify rather as sexual abuse. And then there's emotional abuse as well. And I think that this one may feel a little bit harder to name, especially when it is the norm and especially if it's the norm and so pervasive to the point that that's how everyone in your family functions. So I do want to spend more time acknowledging emotional abuse there. So first, I want to think about if you've ever had a parent deny your reality, that is a form of emotional abuse. And when I say that, that's a term that maybe you've heard thrown around, but it's, it's gaslighting. It's making you question whether what you are seeing and experiencing in life is actually real. If you've ever had a parental figure deny your reality, just straight up tell you that what you are experiencing is not true. If you say the sky is blue and they say, no, it's not, it's green. That is a form of gaslighting. That is traumatic. That is emotional trauma. And- of course, that is like not necessarily an example that that um, you might think of, but it it it's something that it feels so basic. As I know that the sky is blue because I'm looking at it, and I'm experiencing, it and I'm seeing that the sky is blue. But you're telling me that that's not true. When it makes you call into question your own reality, that is. That is trauma. That's traumatizing um, to have your own reality denied even when you know that you're seeing and experiencing things. Being told directly or indirectly that you cannot or should not experience certain emotions is traumatic. It's emotional trauma. It's um, emotional abuse as well. And I've been told as a child, I remember I was seeing a social worker and the social worker asked me to talk to my parent about how I was feeling. And I remember feeling really nervous and then just doing it and, and saying, hey, this is how I've been feeling. And having that parent straight up look me in the face and tell me, no, no, that's not. You can't feel like that. You're lying. That's not real. You don't feel like that. And that it's not something that I would think of later on in life as being traumatic, but it it is. It's an emotional abuse. It is uh, emotionally traumatizing to have your reality denied or to be told directly or indirectly that you cannot or should not experience certain emotions. So hopefully, you know, if, if that is something that you recognize in your childhood, you recognize that if you feel that that's something that you're still feeling the remnants of today, that you're not alone, it is really common, far too common, unfortunately, and kind of recognizing that that is a form of of trauma and it's one of those what I would call dull pains right it's not something that we think of it's not a very big obvious traumatic thing that happens but that being denied your reality that being denied your ability to feel or experience certain emotions is it is trauma so moving forward into neglect neglect fell into or neglect within that category had two subcategories being physical and emotional neglect so physical neglect, we would think of not having basic necessities, including food or access to hygienic products. Maybe, maybe you didn't have access to uh, soap or uh, to water to be able to bathe yourself or to hot water in particular, deodorant, things like that. Not having basics like heat or adequate clothing or shelter. If you've ever experienced homelessness, and homelessness doesn't always equate to being out on the street. It's as simple as being houseless in the sense that you do not have your own home. So maybe there were times in your childhood where you lived with a relative because you and your family did not have a place to stay. Or maybe you were kicked out of your home by a parent and you were forced to stay with a friend or family while that was being situated. That is a form of neglect, is a form of physical neglect, and it is a traumatic experience. Moving into emotional neglect, there are many ways that you can feel emotionally neglected, but I think the big kind of catch-all there would be not feeling seen or heard. And maybe you've heard the expression that children are meant to be seen, not heard. And if that is something that... Your family has ever expressed or a mentality that your family follows then you might know very well the feeling of of not of being in a space and and feeling also like you're not in that space that you cannot contribute that you are not being seen by your family members and not being heard by them as well that's another form of neglect because at the end of the day we all deserve to be seen we all deserve to be heard we deserve to take up space we have the right to take up space just by virtue of us of us being alive. There's nothing that we're supposed to do in particular to deserve that. We deserve it just through the right of being here. And I recognize, like, as I'm going through this, I just I feel this constant, like want to acknowledge that if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, yeah, no, I experienced that, whether it's one or multiple things that I'm kind of listing out right now I just want to send you the biggest embrace and let you know that you are seen and you are heard and you are validated if by no one else by me and I'm just sending you the biggest hug because this is hard I've spent years processing and healing from my childhood trauma and if this is your first step in the journey I just want to commend you for taking this step and just acknowledge that you're not alone and you have support. But yeah, I'll continue to go through, but I just, as I'm listing these things, I just felt the need. I feel compelled to say like, I'm not just rattling these things off to be like, oh, well, if you've experienced one or more of these things, you've experienced childhood trauma and just leaving it at that. I I do want you to know that uh, this isn't easy. If you ever need to pause again this episode and come back to it, you do. What you need to do. I'm trying my very best to kind of highlight these different things and help you to recognize trauma in your own life in a succinct way, but also being mindful of your humanity, you know? So, moving forward from neglect, we're gonna move into household dysfunction. Some of them feel a little self explanatory, so I'll, I'll list those off, and then others I may delve in. To a little more. If you hear Evie in the background, I'm so sorry. She's curious as to what I'm doing right now. I ordinarily record in my office, but my office is also a sunroom and it is wintertime in Chicago and it is freezing. So moving forward, household dysfunction can include things like mental illness, whether that is mental illness within somebody who lives in the household, but especially if it's a parental figure who is struggling with mental illness, that can be a form of Trauma, an incarcerated or jailed relative can be traumatic again, especially if that is a parental figure. Your mother being treated violently. And I do want to note that being treated violently doesn't simply have to be physical. If you watch your mother be verbally berated, be treated violently in terms of like emotional ways as well, like those are, those all are. forms of violence. It doesn't have to be purely physical. Moving forward, substance abuse. Again, this is particularly traumatizing with members of the household, especially if it's a parental figure. But if you live in a multi-generational home, meaning that you perhaps live with uncles or aunts or grandparents and one of those people, one of those adults in your life has a substance abuse problem, that can also be traumatizing because it is in your home, it is in your safe space or what should be your safe space. And we know that people who abuse substances are quite often not in their right mind and that can have a lot of bearing on decision-making processes, on things that are said, and also just on your perception of what are boundaries that should exist or or don't exist or how you process things like emotions. If it's always done through a lens of somebody who is abusing a substance, then your model of what that is is going to be very, very skewed and can be traumatizing beyond your childhood. Moving forward, an absence of a parent is another household dysfunction that is traumatizing. And that could be via divorce or abandonment. If a parent just picked up and left, that can have really lasting effects on you. And death as well. Another one that you may not think of as much and can fall kind of under these other subcategories within household dysfunction, it can permeate throughout it. But if you have a parent or a parental figure who cannot regulate their emotions, that is another form of dysfunction that can lead to trauma again because these are your adults and your youth are supposed to be modeling how you see the world and how you process emotions and do all of those different things and if you have a parent or a parental figure who cannot regulate emotions that's going to ultimately lead again to decision making or to things that are said or done to you that may be traumatic so I'm going to wrap up the pan y tomate there. My check for understanding being that you recognize at the end of the segment that childhood trauma is common. Chances are you have endured some form of trauma growing up and that it has lasting effects. You are not alone. And it's important to be able to recognize and process that trauma so that you can heal from it because it does have that very real ability to impact your health physical, emotional, and mental health. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. You have the ability to process that trauma now and heal from it now so that you are not destined to or doomed to. I don't, I don't want to make this feel more dramatic than it is, but it, I also don't want to minimize the very real physiological effects that trauma does have on us and thus the importance of healing from it. So for that point, essentially acknowledging that it is common, it has lasting effects, but you also have the power to heal from it so that those negative effects don't come to fruition. Another basic that we covered here is that trauma is trauma all the same. Pain is pain. All the same, whether it's that sharp versus that dull pain. So, if you feel your inner self having the urge to minimize your trauma because it was a dull versus a sharp pain, do recognize your inner self trying to do that and acknowledge that your pain is pain just the same, your trauma is trauma just the same, and you deserve to heal from it just the same. Finally, we went through different aces that you may have gone through in your life so that you can recognize trauma within your own life. That being said, that was our pan y tomate. We're going to move it to our tapas section. All right, you all. It is time for tapas, the segment of the show where I get to share my thoughts on today's topic. It is the book of our meal for today thinking of our life lessons in these bite-sized pieces. So before I delve into my thoughts on childhood trauma in particular, I did want to share my thoughts on the concept of an open versus a closed heart, which I think is going to be particularly particularly important for thinking of recognizing And processing childhood trauma, but also especially as we move forward into healing childhood trauma. I considered putting this in our poniendo la mesa as I set the table for this conversation, but I did want it to be very fresh on our minds for this particular segment. So it is being housed here. But let's get into it. So, I have been recommending this book to every single person who has ears and has been in the proximity in the proximity of me within the time that I started reading this book, but I am pulling this information from what I have learned from this book, that book being The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It Has honestly been transformational for me. And I hope that the knowledge that I've gained from that book can help us in today's conversation. So let's start off by defining an open heart and then moving into a closed heart. So, an open heart is when we allow things to pass through us, good and bad. We relax and we release. So we allow things to go through and sit, and we sit rather in the seat of consciousness, being aware of the feelings and feeling them, then allowing them to pass through us, letting them go. So to have an open heart is to be in that seat of consciousness and allow things to pass through us, recognizing that they they are not us. Whereas a closed heart is when we resist, It is when we do not allow things to pass through us, whether good or bad. It's often instinctive. We do this in an attempt to protect ourselves. This does not, however, protect us from anything, really. It only serves to lock ourselves inside. And I'm sharing this as I think about my conversation about trauma because a lot of trauma is is stored in us and stays in us and has these lasting effects because we have a closed heart and we give into the impulse of closing our heart when we are triggered by certain things as a defense mechanism. And it's important to recognize that a big part of being able to recognize and process and heal from trauma is going to be the necessity to keep an open heart And to acknowledge and recognize when you are closing your heart, see it, understand why that impulse is there, and allowing yourself to keep your heart open so that these things can pass through so that you can ultimately heal. That being said, let's go ahead and start talking about recognizing childhood trauma. So thinking about recognizing childhood trauma, if you have not already, I encourage you to Examine all of the experiences that I listed in the previous segment and see which ones resonate with you and reflect on how that makes you feel. I think at this point, you've likely identified that you've experienced childhood trauma and you've likely identified what types of trauma those may have been. Now, another thing that you could do is check out the ACE quiz if that's something that feels right for you. Remember that. ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. You can Google ACE quiz. I believe it'll be the first one that comes up. In fact, it is. And um, that it's not something that you have to do. You not have to take this quiz by any means. But I do also recognize that some of us feel a little more ruled by logic or a need to have some type of quantifiable, evidence-based approach of okay, I see this, it says that I have experienced this, thus I these experiences are valid. It is trauma. I'm not just making this up. And of course, we would want to work on that that frame of mind that forces you to have to have evidence to validate feelings and experiences. However, I recognize that that's not what we're delving into in this moment. So if that is something that feels right that you need to do for yourself, you could also Google ACE quiz and take that quiz to figure out some of the childhood trauma that you may have experienced. So beyond looking at that, I am going to share some symptoms that manifest or that can appear when someone has experienced trauma um, in particular childhood trauma and these are things that we may do regardless of childhood trauma These, these may be things that some people have who may not have experienced childhood trauma but these are quite common in those who have so The first of uh, the symptoms that I'm going to discuss right now is dissociation. And so that might look like spacing out, but especially when confronted with a trigger, it might be something that you find yourself doing. So for example, if in one of my childhood traumas had to do with um, in a male elder in my family and if I feel myself checking out when someone who looks like him is interacting with me and and I cannot find myself to be in that space that is a sign that that could be a lingering effect of that childhood trauma on a different maybe less obvious scale perhaps when you had a parent pass away at the funeral, there was a particular flower that was there. And now every time you see that flower, you kind of just leave your your body, you kind of just check out because it, it brings you back to that unresolved childhood trauma. So dissociation is something that we can do in our day-to-day lives in smaller instances And we look at it as spacing out. But if it's something that you find yourself doing in particular with things that remind you of that trauma, then that would be a sign that there is a childhood trauma that you may want to look into. Another one, another symptom rather, can be becoming overwhelmed by fear or becoming passive aggressive, depending on the types of traumas that you endured as a child. If you feel overprotective of yourself, Or you uh, self victimize. So, self victimization could be another symptom. If you feel yourself constantly preparing for problems, especially in the case of those who grew up with a lot of household dysfunction, perhaps your norm was just constant dysfunction, constant problem cropping up one after the other. So, it's left you as an adult, as somebody who over prepares, who is constantly thinking ahead of like, what are these problems that could crop up what is my plan B c d e f all the way to to double Z you know that is a sign that you have unresolved childhood trauma. Um, a big one that we may not think about and I think is is a very huge sign that you have unresolved childhood trauma that should uh, be addressed that you you should heal from is forgetting big chunks of your life otherwise known as blacking out. I've recently had one of my closest friends share with me that there are like eight years unaccounted for in her life that she just completely blacked out. Like she, in theory, knows that she lived in a particular place for eight years, but for the life of her, no matter how hard she thinks on it, she can't call to memory what ex- what life was like for her in, in that house. And... That is a huge sign of of childhood trauma, a huge symptom that we may not think about. If you've ever just you think back on moments of your life and you genuinely cannot think about that time in your life, there there are two, three, months, years, whatever the case may be, that you really just cannot remember that that is a huge sign that this could be a symptom of of childhood trauma. If you have a feeling of incompleteness, that could be a sign of childhood trauma. And again, I'm going through these different symptoms as a form of helping you perhaps recognize in your own life, not only childhood trauma, if you haven't recognized that already, but also how it may be affecting you in your adulthood, in your day-to-day life now. If you ever find yourself attracted to unhealthy situations, I know earlier I talked about how our childhood especially the parents in our childhood model for us our expectations of reality and of how the world should work then it the logic would follow that if you grew up in a dysfunctional household that you may find yourself attracted to unhealthy situations and maybe you've noticed that in yourself and you've thought to yourself why do I constantly end up with people who do these different things I encourage you to reflect on it and and see where this is coming from because it likely is stemming from unresolved childhood trauma. And um, finally, and and of course, there are a ton more symptoms that you could get into and look into when it regards unresolved childhood trauma, but for the, the sake of trying to keep this as succinct as possible, which is a difficult feat for something like childhood trauma, but in that interest... The final one that I'll discuss today is looking for external validation, and this could stem from childhood trauma in the realm of neglect, if we're thinking about ACEs. If you felt that you were not seen or heard in your home by others, if you felt a constant lack, if you were in a lack mentality, then you might find yourself overcompensating as an adult by constantly looking for external validation. So... Ideally, at this point, you've recognized childhood trauma. So let's talk about processing it. Now, the first thing I, I would tell you is to be patient with yourself. Again, this is a huge undertaking. It is difficult work, but um, you are capable of doing it. So be patient with yourself. You are going to have a lot of things come up that you likely won't feel prepared for. And the the biggest thing that you can do is be kind to yourself, to be patient with yourself and know that, it is again, it's difficult work, especially if you have never sat with or processed these traumas before, but you will get through it. And by getting through it, you'll be able to breathe again and heal. And I know that saying being able to breathe again might be like, you know, so what are you talking about? I'm breathing just fine. But as someone who has spent years healing from childhood trauma, I can tell you the first time that I really, really just started to, the first time that I recognized and processed the sharp pain, one of the sharper pains of childhood trauma, one of the the big events of my life that was a, a huge childhood trauma for me, I didn't realize how long I had not been breathing. And, Obviously, not in the literal sense, because i I would not have I would not be here today if I had not been properly breathing. But in in so far as how I was living my life, I was constantly holding my breath, and I didn't recognize that until the first time that I recognized, I truly recognized that childhood trauma, and I truly processed it. I took such a big breath, and it felt like such a huge weight lifted off of every ounce of my being because not just my chest. It, it felt, there aren't words to, to really describe how it felt, but if I could, in the simplest form, it felt like I could breathe again. And once I was able to actually heal from it, I cannot emphasize enough how important this work is and how worth it you are to do this work. So moving forward from that, give yourself... The space to feel what you need to feel about your traumas. If you feel your heart closing, pause, and ask yourself, "What about this experience makes you want to close your heart?" I know that you might think, "Yanessa, you know, so obviously it was a traumatic experience, that's so why I'm closing my heart. I'm trying to protect myself." Duh. But I want you to truly consider that question without judgment, without. Allowing the the inner critic, the inner voice to be like, well, obviously I'm closing my heart because of these reasons, but truly consider that question and allow yourself to authentically reflect on it and answer that question to see what part or parts of you are being triggered by that experience that are causing your heart to want to close. And then ask yourself, is this worth closing your heart over? Because... Having an open heart is allowing yourself to feel all of the beautiful things of life. Having a closed heart may feel like you're protecting yourself from the bad things, but you're inadvertently shutting out all the great things about life as well. And so you need to consider as you're going through this process, are these things worth closing your heart over? Because you can close the shutters and and block out and lock all the doors and lock all the windows and keep all of the bad things out. But I promise you, you're going to you're going to start missing the feeling of the sun on your skin of those beautiful things that life has to offer. And you can only get those things when your heart is open. So um, when you feel your heart closing, ask yourself, what about that experience is causing it to close? And then if it is worth closing your heart over The next thing that I would say when it comes to processing these childhood traumas would be to talk it out. And talking it out doesn't have to be actually talking it out. It could be journaling. I am a huge proponent of journaling. The way that I was able to heal the majority of my childhood trauma long before I had access to a therapist was through journaling. So talking it out doesn't have to be actually talking to another human being. It can be journaling. But 100% encourage you to talk to a professional because they'll be able to give you things that are tailored to you to help you heal from your particular trauma in the ways that you particularly would heal best. So you can journal. That is something you can do and also seek a professional uh, to seek professional help. You can talk to loved ones if that's something that you'll find helpful now. I acknowledge that with childhood trauma, a lot of this is perpetuated by, you know, from family. And um, so loved ones doesn't have to translate to family if that's not something that you feel comfortable talking that out with, but that can be if that is something that you feel would help you. But do know that you don't have to process and heal alone. You have support. Finally, know that trauma- And these experiences are something that happened in your life. They happen to you, but they are not you. And that is something worth repeating. Know that trauma and these experiences are something that happen in your life. They are things that happen to you. They are not you. I say this as someone who for so long identified myself with my trauma. You are not your trauma. These are things that happened in your life. They are the object. They are not the subject. You are the subject. You are the consciousness, the person who sees these things, who sees that inner child who sees those experiences, those pains, those traumas, and who is going to heal from them and step into their own light. You are not defined by your trauma, and that just feels so unbelievably necessary to, to say. So you need to keep an open heart when you are processing and recognizing these childhood traumas, and especially as you begin to heal. You can recognize your childhood trauma by going back through the experiences I listed in this segment or in the previous segment um, to see what resonates with you and reflect on how that makes you feel. Take the ACE quiz if it feels right for you. And then as far as it regards processing, be patient with yourself. This is difficult work, but it is work worth doing. You are worth you are worth doing this work for. Know that you'll need to give yourself space to feel, to truly feel what you need to feel about your traumas and do your very best to keep an open heart, to recognize when you feel your heart closing, to be inquisitive about that. Why am I feeling the impulse to close my heart? Is this worth closing my heart over? Talk it out, whether that's journaling, sinking a professional talking to loved ones and know that these traumatic experiences are experiences that happen in your life but they do not define you so we're going to move into the te section because there were some insightful questions that y'all posed so with that let's move it along all right it is time for our te this is the segment of the show where I answer some of the questions that you all have regarding our topic. So going straight into it, the first question that you all posed was, at what point did you realize your normalcy is not normal for others? So I know this is a personal question, but before I give my answer to it, I do want to kind of reflect on the question itself. This is posing a question where you essentially recognize that what you thought was, was normal was actually trauma, was not everyone else's normal. So I, I find that worth noting before I give my answer. Now, I mentioned earlier in today's pod that I have experienced childhood trauma in both the sharp and dull pain ways of childhood trauma. The sharp pain being the very evident I can look and point and and say that is without a doubt a traumatic experience. And then the dull pains being those everyday experiences that are traumatic but may not be the things that we think about when we think about trauma. Now there are many small moments where I recognize that my normalcy was not normal for others, and they they kind of appeared in my sharing something that seemingly that felt seemingly rather innocuous with a person and and watching their face react in a way that showed me it clearly was not. And I don't know. I don't know if there's a definitive um, a definitive moment. For, for that, for me, I think like a lot of them did happen in school. In particular, once I was in high school, I went to a predominantly white high school, whereas I grew up in a pre-K through eight in Chicago with predominantly people of color who came from predominantly single-parent homes like myself and were predominantly low-income. So a lot of identities that were already prone to ACEs, right? As we reviewed earlier in the pod. And so a lot of the trauma that I was experiencing was trauma that they were also experiencing. And so it it really was normal, you know, in our minds, being those, those being the only experiences that we had um, and interacting with one another and seeing that they, that we were having the same experiences, just really normalized it some more. So I think once. I got into high school, there were a lot of situations in the classroom when it regarded questions posed by teachers, but also just in social situations. And I think that in those moments, I didn't recognize them as trauma. I don't know what I recognize them as. I just kind of recognize them as like, I'm, I'm leading a very different life than my white, Counterparts who are middle class, two parent home, plenty more resources than I had available to myself. And I think that for a lot of those small moments, I actually kind of shifted that onto like, oh, well, they have all of these different things, as opposed to, oh, this is trauma that I'm describing, whereas they are not used to experiencing or have not experienced these traumas in the way that I have. So for that, many small moments, I suppose, to that first point, but um, when it regards the sharp pains of trauma, like the bigger, the quote unquote bigger traumas, um, I think like, I just I felt in my heart of hearts that they were not normal. Like I on many levels just always knew that it, it was trauma and that it was not normal and I'll delve into that more in the postre but yeah when it, at least when it came to the duller pains it was a lot of small moments and particularly once I was interacting with people who were not also entrenched in um, adverse childhood experiences the way that I was moving into the next question This is a two-parter. What do you do when you are confronted with the realization that you had a traumatic childhood, especially when it was someone else who named it for you? So going to that first question, I think recognize that feeling in yourself and be curious instead of closing yourself off to it. Again, keeping that idea of an open heart on the forefront of your mind. So considering what about that situation has you feeling triggered? What parts of you feel activated by these triggers? And if you can, give yourself the time and space to feel through it in that moment. I recognize that that's not always necessarily feasible, but if it is, I encourage you to um, to feel through it in, in that moment instead of like closing your heart to it and then being like, oh, I'll address it later. Because that, I mean, you having that trigger and having that call to your mind in that moment is, is life's way of being like, hey, this is your opportunity to essentially feel through and heal through this. So if you can, give yourself the time and space to, to feel through it in that moment. Now, addressing the second part of that question, if someone else names it for you, I would vocalize for them whatever you are feeling in that moment, and then ask that they give you some time to sit with that if needed. If needed. I know for me personally, I have had someone else name for me like, that's traumatic, and it I needed a second to stop and to think about that and to, to feel through that and to, to recognize and process it. So if that's something that's needed for you, name that for that person. Say, hey, can you give me a second to sit with that and do and do sit with that. Or if you want to process it with another person, vocalize that to whoever it is who kind of named it for you and ask if they feel comfortable doing that with you, helping you process that. Because sometimes it is easier to talk to another human being as opposed to allowing thoughts to kind of ricochet within your within your own mind's eye. I'm keeping this segment brief because I do want to share my anecdotes for today's topic so let's go into our postre all right y'all it is time for our postre this is the segment of the show where i get to share my own personal experiences with today's topic and that being said again trying to keep time in mind i will try to keep to salient points without delving in too far going down the rabbit hole. But before I do, I do want to give a trigger warning. I did say I would do my very best to recognize and acknowledge when particular triggers might crop up. And so for the first anecdote that I'll be sharing, I do want to give the trigger warning of sexual abuse. I will be reflecting on a particular childhood trauma, the kind that I define as a sharp pain And I will not go into the details of the experience itself, but do know that that is something that will come up. So if you feel that you are not ready to be triggered by something like that, I encourage you to fast forward maybe five minutes or so to kind of move into the other anecdote, which I don't have anything that I'm particularly worried will be a trigger for y'all but can still be really helpful for healing. Again, please don't overdo it. This is a lot. This is heavy. And I recognize that if you need to parcel this episode up into bits and pieces within its bits and pieces itself, that's totally fine. You need to take care of yourself and do what you need to do first. So before I get into that, I feel myself needing a breath. So I'm just going to Take three nice inhales and exhales. I encourage you to do them with me before we move into this next part. You do not have to. But I'm going to go ahead and do the um, four-count inhale, four-count holds, and then six-count exhale through the mouth. So taking my first breath to kind of center myself, we're going to go ahead and inhale. Hold. And exhale, inhale, hold, exhale, and our final breath. Inhale, hold, and exhale. All right. So I mentioned that this is going to deal with a sharper pain trauma that I've endured. Now this is a trauma I've actually, in a more incognito way, I've mentioned in other episodes and I think in particular in having difficult conversations. I did not name it, but I will be naming it in this episode as we think about childhood traumas. So let's get into it. So thinking about recognizing and processing childhood trauma For this sharper pain, I am reflecting on an experience as I believe I was a a sophomore in high school. I was at a church retreat, and it was the first time that I recognized a trauma that I knew and felt was trauma and abuse as it happened to me and after. However, it was something that I felt I could Not name or allow myself to name because there was this deep sense of shame and guilt that accompanied this trauma. There was this very real worry that no one would believe me. There was this worry that I'd lose family or people would hate me if I spoke on my experience. And I distinctly remember being at this church retreat. It was, if you were ever religious, your regular schmegular youth retreat where, you know, you travel to some type of campground and, you know, there's all of these different activities and there's bonding, but also this idea that you're healing. And I remember that our youth pastor shared his personal experience and he named his trauma. And so the trauma was essentially that he was molested as a child. And I felt a very deep feeling of resonance in my body as he spoke about his trauma. Every cell, every part of my being just felt this huge, this deep resonance as he as he shared this experience. As he begun to describe before he even named it, I just felt this huge, just feelings sink into every part of my being. And it resonated in a way that I don't know if other people's words prior to then had ever resonated to me on the level that his had resonated to me. And so he had asked that we close our eyes. And that's very common. And I I grew up, well, I grew up Catholic, but this was at the point in my life where I was religious and attending a Christian non-denominational or assemblies of God church. And it's a very common practice at at these types of churches where, you know, when the pastor essentially asks people to come up to the altar um for some type of healing and recognizing of something that needs to be healed within you. So he asked that we close our eyes and stand if it was an experience that we could relate to. Now, I was petrified. I had so many thoughts running in my brain. Um now, worth noting, I grew up with anxiety as a child, and whether that stemmed from this in particular, I, th- I think it came from other things as well. I'm not definitely not going to sit here and share all of my childhood traumas with y'all because that would it would take far more than the time that it's taken this episode so far. But I grew up with anxiety, and so the anxious mind was just nonstop, 100 miles an hour with all of these questions. What if others had their eyes open? What will people think? What if the person next to me could hear me get up if I stood up um, or shift in my seat? Who will know if I don't stand up and acknowledge it? Like, do I need to stand up? Um, Is it enough that I just know in my head that I have experienced it? Now, you should know that I did end up standing up and it was this terrifying but also liberating experience because it felt very necessary for me to name what had happened to me for myself. And um, that was the first time that I recognized one of my childhood traumas as a trauma. And I, I, mind you, I'm a child still at this point. I mean, I'm, I'm a, what, like 15 years old? Uh, still a child. But it's recognizing something that had happened to me even earlier in my youth and and naming it and processing it for the first time. Because again, it was something that I knew in my heart of hearts, was traumatic and not okay as it was happening and after it happened but it was something that I never allowed myself to name until until that very moment until I stood up and I was like oh wow there's no taking it back now like I'm recognizing that this is what happened to me I'm giving it that name I'm not just feeling really uncomfortable about uh, about what happened to me but I'm saying you know to myself I'm acknowledging to myself that this is real so that was the f- one of the bigger parts, um, of my healing process of childhood trauma that I just remember very distinctly. Now it took me years after that to say anything to anyone else. I mean, saying it to myself and it wasn't saying it, I was, but like, I mean, almost, in a. it felt almost bigger in a way to stand up, to literally stand up and recognize that that had happened to me in a, in a space full of strangers honestly like I wasn't that connected to the church in the way that other people were where they all knew each other like I don't know I don't remember anyone else who's on their retreat honestly and I don't think that they would really know me or be able to pick me out from a crowd now but it was very big now it took me years to say anything to anyone else and it took me even longer to talk to my parents about it and I mentioned that this was something I mentioned in my having difficult conversations this was that difficult conversation I had to have with both of my parents who have been split for the majority of my life. But, you know, it's the first time that I I recognized and processed a very big childhood trauma. And not only that, but it was that feeling of, of taking a breath for the first time, of breathing for the first time. It just, if you are having that moment in this pod right now, um, there are probably a lot of things that are happening inside of you. Um, but... I just am sending you the biggest, warmest hug from wherever you are, like from where I am right now in Chicago to wherever you are in this world. Like, I am just giving you the biggest embrace with all of the love and healing that I could possibly give you and telling you that you are not alone. When I say this, I want you to imagine that my arms, like you were just wrapped in a, in a big hug and your head is on my shoulder, and it's just the safest feeling that you could have and just know that you are not alone. And um, your inner child deserves to be healed. And I'm so proud of you for getting to this point in this pod and um, and choosing to to process this trauma, these traumas. And, and then looking forward to healing them as well. And that'll be the next episode. In two weeks, I will, I will give myself a hard and fast deadline on that. I know I've been kind of literal about getting these pods out, but I will make sure that I get that out in two weeks for y'all. There's a lot going on as a teacher in Chicago right now, if you follow the national news. But I will make sure that I prioritize that for you all. But I just want you to know that I am thinking of you. Um, I know that this is not easy, but... I hope that there's this feeling of of this just this being able to breathe and and feeling that maybe for the first time in a long time because there's something that's really powerful about naming it and I can tell you it just it gets so much easier from here to be able to heal from it and that's not to say that it's easy because it's still difficult work, but I, I do feel that sometimes the, the most difficult thing is just naming it even to yourself. Once you name it to yourself and recognize it and process it for yourself, um, the other things start to come a little more naturally, but it's, it's this huge hurdle that you're taking right now. That's so important. And I just feel immensely proud of you for getting here. So thank you for listening. And I really hope that this is helping you. um, Moving forward, so that was my anecdote on a sharp pain, on a bigger, on a quote-unquote bigger trauma. We're going to move into, like, I I suppose, like duller pains. So, again, I'm not going to sit here and talk to you all about all of my childhood traumas. And actually, the next anecdote isn't particularly a childhood trauma. It's Well, it's not. No, it's just straight up not a childhood trauma. It's something that I I wanted to mention with this episode to kind of highlight the impacts of of childhood trauma in adulthood and our perceptions in adulthood. So this particular experience is once I finally had access to a therapist and I was working with a therapist in my adulthood. This is post-college. This is my first year of teaching. No, this is my second year of teaching. I was sharing just like something that was happening at work that week and I was just really trying to keep it together at work and at home but you know i'm i'm in the therapist's office and at this point i'm like you know i just I, it's really bothering me and i need to excuse me i need to talk about it so i'm telling my therapist about this experience and i finish sharing and she looks at me and she says wow that that's so traumatic i'm i'm sorry to hear that something to that extent and i remember sitting there and looking at her and like it dawning on me that I was having a traumatic experience and I didn't even recognize that it was traumatic because I had endured so much trauma in my life, those sharp pains that I had begun to see anything in comparison as simply life, as, as things that just happen, And it just, it felt so sobering. It was this moment of clarity. It was... Acknowledging that I felt inner disturbance and I should not resist that feeling, that I should allow myself to feel that inner disturbance and allow that to pass through, to recognize it and to name it and to let it pass. Because I think that I was trapping these smaller traumas in my life in adulthood by trying to minimize them, by, you know, just kind of seeing them as life and then trying not to give attention to them. But by not allowing them, but by not allowing myself to recognize it and then allowing it then to pass through me, I was trapping this inside of me for later on for myself to have to deal with and for it to to, to become much bigger than if I simply dealt with in that moment. And so much smaller anecdote, but I wanted to share that because it's a testament to how These childhood traumas have lasting effects on you moving forward and your perception. It really has this power to alter your inner self and the way that you perceive the world and your experiences. And so with that, I want you to see if you can, moving forward from this pod, recognize these different traumas and how they're affecting you in your day to day and begin that process of processing those traumas as you prepare yourself to ultimately Begin your journey of actually healing from them. So, we're going to move into our de Mesa and then wrap up this episode. All right, y'all, it's time for our de Mesa, the segment of our show where I get to share my final reflections, my final advice, my last thoughts with you all. So, try and wrap this up. Recognizing and processing trauma is a big. Step. And you are worth taking that step to begin healing. I cannot overstate how proud I am of you for taking this step and how proud you should feel for of yourself that you are taking this step. It's huge. It's huge. The first step that I took, and I mentioned this in the last segment, was when I was like 15, but it it was like recognizing and, and processing one one particular event that I felt comfortable I mean didn't but like felt easier to kind of recognize as like oh that's a very definitive trauma as opposed to all of the other things that I've been healing from since and so this is a huge step recognizing and processing trauma is a huge step and you are worth taking that step to begin that healing process so feel proud of the fact that you were here that you were listening to today's pod and that you are in a space where you want to recognize and process this this childhood trauma note that trauma is trauma do not try to quantify trauma or minimize it pain is pain and it affects you just the same so recognize that that is true and allow yourself the the space to heal you deserve to heal Know that trauma and these experiences are something that happen in your life. They happen to you, but they are not you. They are not you. You are not defined by these experiences. You are the person who experienced them, yes, and you are also the person who is going to heal from them. So keep an open heart. Trauma does not have to cause your heart to close. Listen, again, going to drop this recommendation because anyone who has ears, or eyes to read. If I can text you all, I would. I'm going to put in the show notes. I 10 out of 10 recommend The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It is transformational. The concept of an open and a closed heart and relaxing, releasing, which I'll give more of, of what I've learned, that knowledge in the next episode. But trauma does not have to close your heart. You have so much potential. You have so much energy and, and love and light that can be permeating in you if you allow your heart to be open and it is very natural to want to close your heart but know that you stand to gain so much more from keeping your heart open from allowing these things to pass through you so do your very best to not close your heart during this process and to keep your heart open because trauma doesn't have to cause you to close your heart finally you got this You got this. I am here for you. So are so many others. If you feel that you don't have anyone else, please slide into the DMs of of this podcast. I will do my very best to help you because you deserve to heal. And I am more than willing to, to be that person if you are somebody who needs it because you deserve to heal. And I know very intimately what this process is like in both the sharp and dull pain ways. And so know that you got this and that I am here to help, whether that's simply through virtue of me doing this pod in the next one, or if you want to slide into the DMs and and I uh, talk to you more directly. But I am here to help, and so are so many others. Please reach out to your support systems. I am sure that they would love nothing more than to help you heal. So... With that, we're going to go ahead and close out today's episode. Thank you so much for making it this far if you've made it this far. I look forward to the next episode really thinking about healing childhood trauma in between that time from from then and now. I thank you for starting this journey, for taking this big step. I encourage you to begin to recognize those triggers and to be inquisitive and to Recognize what parts of you are being disturbed when these triggers are cropping up and figuring out, you know, processing through all of this and allowing yourself to heal or to feel rather uh, what you need to feel and reflecting on it as you prepare yourself for this healing journey. Know that I am sending you so much love and light. You are capable of so much And that includes being able to heal and live your beautiful life regardless of the experiences that happened to you in your youth. Know that your inner child deserves love and that you will be giving your inner child love through this process of healing. And that I'm just sending you the biggest, warmest embrace that I possibly can if you can feel it through today's episode. I just want you to feel the biggest embrace because this is very brave. You are very brave. You are very worthy and you are very loved. So until the next episode, just sending you all of the light that I possibly can. I love you all infinitely. You are so loved um, and so worthy. Until next time.